No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. That's right. No justice, no peace. That's what hundreds of thousands of people across America and eventually other parts of the world have been chanting this week. George Floyd was killed by the police in America. He was unarmed and from what we understand was cooperating with the police. He becomes the latest figure, the latest symbol of what has been termed as a war on black bodies by the American police force. This has been happening for years on end. I mean, even here at home, when you speak about the amount of force that is used on black men in townships versus how white, their white counterparts are being dealt with, it's worlds apart. Collins Koza, Smisiso Amos, Beatrice Miguels, Alma Robin Montumi, all these are people whose lives were taken supposedly by those women to protect them. So George Floyd sparked a global outcry as country after country took to the streets to say enough is enough we cannot breathe we need a more just society all of this mind you is happening with an absolutely tone-deaf wartime president donald trump doesn't seem to understand what is happening in fact all he's all he seeks to do is to ramp up the military force putting in curfew after curfew i don't think he's met the outcries distress and the pain with the right attitude in any way. He hasn't read the mood in his own country, hasn't read the mood across the globe. And here at home, many argue that our government hasn't read the mood. Many argue that the governing party hasn't read the mood. It is, after all, the South African National Defense Force that is responsible for the death of someone like Collins Kaza. Yet you don't get the sense that there's a fair enough understanding, a strong enough understanding from government of what this is. So that's part of the conversation we're having now. This is the 12th episode of One More Thing with myself, T.D. Madia. I don't know about you, but all of this has been a struggle. It's been a struggle in the sense that I desperately want to disengage. But at the same time, I find myself wanting to tune in. I don't want to miss anything because I think I identify with the pain we've been told of, you know, in the States, the pain we read about in our own newspapers about things happening in our country. So I always find myself going back and forth about what I want to do and how I want to understand the story or how I want to experience these stories, these heartaches that these families feel, you know, um, I want to explain to people why we are so angry, why it's so hurtful, but I'm also tired of explaining to people that i'm a human being too to beg people to see my humanity i want to scream come to the damn party and what's made me even more angrier in all of this is watching certain individuals companies and countries in this case come forward and you know take a stand against racism stand with george floyd and his george floyd's family rather but i watch that and i think 
yo, some of you haven't acted in any way that's consistent with what the message you are now promoting. It's weird, right? So you've got someone like George W. Bush, George W. Bush, releasing really a sober statement on what's happening. But my worst was watching watching thousands in the streets of France, in Paris. And I sat there and I thought, France? 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 Colonial tax France? There have been protests all over the world. Some have looted and done other things. And none of us in this family condones looting or violence. But the thing I want us to be real cognizant of is there's a difference between those calling for peace and those calling for quiet. Some of y'all don't want peace. You just want quiet. You just want us to shut up and suffer in silence. But this week, I'm chatting to the Deputy Secretary General of the ANC, Jesse Duarte, because <laughs> the ANC is also in government. And when I speak about security forces that have used their might against people like Collins Caza, like Petros Miguels, that is the ANC government. So she speaks to us also about this campaign that they're launching. You know, they came out in a statement speaking about George Floyd and what's happening in the United States, but they're also launching an anti racism campaign. So she'll speak to us a little bit about her own understanding. You know, uh, Jesse has a long history in the liberation movement. So it's also interesting to get a sense of how someone like her, you know, they fought for democracy. It's yeah, democracy is not so nice because racism didn't leave. So it's also nice to hear her views about that. She joins us now. DSG, JC Duarte joins me now. Hello, DSG, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, TD, and thank you for speaking to me. Absolutely, thank you for making time for us. Um, it's business unusual, they call it, having conversations on virtual platforms. But a very difficult time, you know. Um, one would have imagined the only stress we should have is the pandemic, the coronavirus, but racism has become a factor. Just from where you are sitting, what do you think when you see stories like George Floyd making global headlines? It definitely triggers me. You know, as much as it triggers me when the mayor of Welcome calls colored people drunk, drunkies and drunkards and, and so on, as much as it triggers me when Helen Ziller calls people from the Eastern Cape um, foreigners in their own country, uh, as much as it hurts and triggers me when people uh, liken the face of uh, Minister Nkosa Zanad Lamini Zuma to a monkey and compares her to insects. This year on Friday, I know the ANC and its alliance partners are launching an anti-racism campaign. The president is going to give a speech on Friday about this. A lot of people are saying, yeah, but this is on the back of George Floyd. We can't leave that question out. Um, in our own country, we have many people who, at least names now even under COVID, who have died at the hands of state security. You know, people will tell you about Marikana. They'll tell you about uh, many victims. I think about Collins Causa now in the time of COVID with the South African National Defense Force. And the one common denominator in all of this is 
it's by an ANC government. They're pointing at an ANC government and saying, you are not nearly vocal enough. Where is your enthusiasm, your oomph, when you are seeing a black person being buried alive in a coffin? You know, where are you? Why are you not as vocal then as you are now that you see the globe is taking a stand? Yeah. Tidi, you know, social activism takes the form of looking at the moment and making use of it in whichever mm. way you can. For instance, with Koza's death, we were vocal. We went to the area. We, we, we were not, and maybe it didn't reach your attention. And maybe that's the problem, is that sometimes we do things and we don't include the media in what we are doing. The coffin incident, we were very vocal there. We were very much part of the campaign to have the, the, the perpetrators uh, sentenced. Uh, women of the ANC were in the courtrooms. But you see, what happens is, and I, and I think this is a question to all of us in this country, we have a, a limit for which we, we, we tackle heady and difficult issues like racism. It will last for a day or two. We'll feel very unhappy about it. And then the courts will take over and the legal processes will go on and we leave it at that point. And I think what is perhaps different now is also that we're looking at a country like the USA, which has a huge impact on the international global economy and global politics. And systemic racism is, is, is finally showing its head in a real and persistent way. I mean, you, you've had the civil rights movement in the USA, you've had all of that. Why now, you might ask, why is this, this moment different over there. And I don't think we are simply looking at uh, George Floyd. We're also looking at Nkosa Zana Dlamini Zuma. And uh, our campaign initially was about Comrade Nkosa Zana Dlamini Zuma as, as spearheading a campaign uh, to, uh, to, to highlight racism against women. And we started that campaign three weeks ago. And then with the George Floyd incident, we thought, well, we should make this a global campaign because what we haven't done in many, many decades is to mobilize the entire globe against a single issue. And that's what we would like to begin to do. Um, it might look wrong. It might look uh, 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 wrong to South Africans. And, and I saw uh, many South Africans on social media ask the same question. As yes, you they are saying it, yeah. Yes. But the point we must make, and we must make it very vociferously and every day, even if people criticize us now, we cannot stop this movement of people talking against racism and highlighting it in our own country collectively. Let's not make a story about one individual, somebody's racist again, another and another. There must be a consistent conversation in South Africa against racism. And you know what, uh, Tidi? It's an uncomfortable, um, it's an yes. uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> and for that reason, we talk about it in, uh, I call it in, in, in bites, you know, uh, little bites. It's time now that we talked about it as we talk about the economy as we talk about land, as we talk about our children's education, and in particular uh, on our children's education, anti-racism has to become a factor of our daily lives for South Africans. We, I feel a lot of solid solidarity for the family of George Floyd, but I feel more solidarity as well for the families of all those people who were killed, maimed, hurt, insulted, 
uh, here in South Africa, because um, TD, I don't know if you'll accept this, but as a black woman, let me tell you, I have had my own um, uh, days of being insulted, humiliated, um, yes. dealt with. Yes. And I, I don't believe it's over for me yet. You know, no. quite honestly speaking, it's not I'm, still, any of us. Yes, no. I'm a black woman. I, I, uh, I insist that I'm a black woman and I am, I am troubled by the fact that I am not considered good enough because I'm not African black in some circles. And I fight that fight. I'm fighting that fight and it's the good fight as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about that. I think it's an interesting view and I think... I agree with that. I think we tolerate racists in our country. And many will then look at you because you represent the governing party and the highest echelons, really, of leadership in the ANC. So many would look at you and say, surely you can't feel as helpless as the rest of us. Surely you have the ability to influence the government of the day and make sure that we put laws in place that protects many others from racists. Tidi, I've gone through all the laws that protect mm. us against racism. The laws are in place. Mm. Now, there's a, there's a difference between putting the laws in place and the government has done that, okay? Yeah. And getting society to internalize that I cannot fight, kill, maim, hurt a person because they are of a different race. Um, and that's a big step forward in any in any society's um, makeup. Uh, you know, I, I often go back to the mayor of Valcom. It's somebody I knew, I know very well, and I, and I questioned him and I said, you know, I've known you for many, many years. What inspired you on a morning speaking to the people who protect our constitution, that protects my right as a human being, to then call people who live in an area drunkies because that's the social... Uh, understanding of a particular group of people in our country and you make that statement and you do not understand that it is racist and uh his his response was it was it just came out now i look at that and i think so even if the law is there and yeah. even if the constitution is there and even if we are 82 percent a christian country even if Christianity says you, you, we are all equal, you know, uh, in the eyes of God, and Islam says the same, and Judaism says the same, and Hinduism says the same, why, am, why do I still find myself interacting with people who tolerate racism? The question that we must really begin to raise is, how do we tackle society on this matter? How do we begin to teach people to undo what has become innate in their nature. And uh, I have grandchildren who go to schools. They're not racist. They don't understand race. You know, they don't understand that th this thing of race. And they ask But isn't that the failure? Isn't that the failure though, DSG? No, they, don't, is... they don't understand that they, they, they are different to other children. That's what I'm but... trying to say. The but failure. Isn't that the failure. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let me let you okay, speak. Okay. So say to me because I want to hear what you mean by isn't that the failure? <laughs> I almost feel yes. the failure has been the focus has been on different things. We've 
the the generation that led the battle against racism i think to some extent must have said we've done our job we've got we've delivered democracy let's focus on other things that need to be done and in that we forgot to teach that this thing is wrong racism is wrong and intolerance is a problem i i i want to agree with you on that i believe that when uh, we came into power in 1994, we had the most wonderful man at the helm of our country, uh, Nelson Mandela, mm. uh, Comrade Nelson Mandela. And I believe that his, his forgiveness of everything that had been done uh, towards him maybe blinded us somewhat because we then believed, and, and I have to use race now to, to describe this, we then believed that every white person in South Africa would be the same uh, as the white people who were in the ANC, and that is not true. And that in white families, they, they are not teaching their children to be racist, and they are teaching their children to be racist. As we can see, that it is a very young generation of people who insult black people on social media and use mm. racial slurs and terms. Similarly, it is, it is incorrect to have assumed that people of Indian descent would not be racist either and would not use the K word in their, in their homes and in their, in their, in their communities uh, when they speak about African people. And then you find uh, this group of people uh, where I come from, uh, the so-called colored people, who, who then for some odd and strange, unimaginable reason, reason to me, because we grew up in mixed communities. I didn't grow up in, and colored communities are intrinsically mixed there. You know, you live with everybody mm. and suddenly you find a race element in those communities as well. A sense of seeking identity because they feel marginalized. And then they are angry that um, African people are the majority and therefore are in the jobs and they say that thing they're taking all the jobs and so it's a question of distrusting the other and unfortunately td i think we lack uh, the social social uh, um, analysis at the moment to undermine this racism so let me go back to uh, minister Dlamini zuma yes she is attacked because she's a very strong african woman She's a medical doctor, highly educated. She's mm -hmm. revered in Africa and on the con in the world as a, firstly, a very competent diplomat on the African co continent as one of the most competent women who was asked to remain in the AU long after her term ended. And yet in South Africa, no serious recognition is given to this woman other than that she is an African woman who dared to ban cigarettes and ban alcohol, and that wasn't even true. But she's attacked because she's an African woman. That's racism. So my passion stems from the fact that I do acknowledge the failure that we have as a society. And I'm looking for how do, as a social activist, Tidi, how do I dirty my hands up to the elbows again to undermine this? And I think that I have to honestly say we became complacent. We thought the laws were enough. We thought the constitution is enough. We thought uh, be people being Christians is enough. 
but then all the apartheid leaders were Christians yes. as well. And <laughs> it was for a lot of atrocities. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm saying that um, for me now, I'm, I'm talking to people and I'm saying we need to start a social movement that is very clearly biased in favor of tackling racism in our own country. Just, uh, and, and it must happen. I accept that. Just one more thing, two more things maybe, DSG. Um, the 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 lockdown the conversations around the covid lockdown for me have been difficult because minority i don't even want to call them minorities but white south africans are vested in their interests and i assume everybody's vested in their own interests but they've amplified their voices and often it feels like their voices are louder than those of the majority who are in more distress if you do a quick look at the country really what do you make of that when you sit down and you watch and you watch the news and you engage south africans and the loudest voices really are people comparing being allowed to surf or not being allowed to surf to apartheid being allowed to go to the park to freedom day as people with the history that you have when you watch that what 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 what, what, you, what comes to mind how do you process that how do you navigate that city i'm i'm having a crisis because i think and i looked at the judgment of the the recent judgment of judge about David. the lockdown regulations and not being constitutional of course and I, and, I, and i'm not criticizing him but this is my concern you see I could care less that people who need to drink wine need to go and drink wine in a restaurant or smoke their cigars in a cigar bar. I really could care less. I'm very concerned with the fact that we did very well by bringing out the hammer approach in the beginning uh, so that we slowed down the, the, the infections and we slowed them down, uh, my understanding is, so that our healthcare services would be able to cope. But you know, uh, 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 I have been to areas, and you have been, where our people live, where they live in a single room, and uh, the children have to go outside when your mother is washing, and or, or your father is washing uh, their bodies, and you cannot have social distance. So I understand the frustration that some of our own people feel about being locked out. But what I am having a great deal of difficulty with is that we're pandering to the needs of the middle classes in South Africa, both black and white, who are arguing and complaining about the lockdown, not from a viewpoint of loss of jobs. The people who have really suffered in this lockdown are day wage earners, domestic workers, um, workers who work in factories because uh, they, they can't have social distance, uh, people who travel in taxis and in trains because they're not traveling in their car. They are the people who've been very compliant because they fear getting sick. And the reason they fear getting sick, TV, is that they don't have medical aid and they're afraid that they won't get to the hospital and they, the hospitals might be too full for them to get treatment. That is their real fear. The middle classes have medical aid. They're probably going to get into a private hospital. They travel sing in a single car, one person. They don't have passengers. They never travel in a taxi and they don't travel by train. And so their complaints are vocal. And yet who makes their complaints vocal is the media, who is also a product of middle class um, uh, uh, concerns. And, you know, you, you're really going to find that the media will say, but we stand by the poor. The poor are suffering a lot more. 
when the tobacco issue came out, I watched with interest because I actually said to my, my comrades that watch the space because immediately there will be a lobby against people. <laughs> and, that, and I did say that. I said the lobby yeah. will be <laughs> And the lobby will come from journalists, from business people, from many others because there is no understanding that you don't add to the crisis that you already have. When your lungs are being attacked, why, why add more? And the argument was very much uh, the argument of the individual. It's my democratic right and my constitutional right to smoke if I want to smoke. You can't take that right away from me. And you see, for me, though, here's what I'm worried about. I think mm. we're going to see huge numbers of infections. We're going to see people uh, slowly eroding the lockdown. We're going to see people arguing uh, for their rights now, which they have a right to do. But, you know, the government has a responsibility to save life. And for that reason, I, will, I am in support of measures taken by the government that will support life. And I'm hoping that the government will appeal this, um, this, uh, this judgment. Judge Davis's outcome, yeah, for the I'm High Court. I'm hoping that they will appeal it. I'm not, I can't tell them what to do. I can only hope. I'm hoping so for the fact that I really am worried for the poor. I really am worried for the working class. I really am worried that um, in the Western Cape, for instance, there's no understanding that when you do what you're doing uh, without giving due consideration to how people live and where they live, you're actually increasing their vulnerability. I'm going to leave it at that, DSG. Thank you for your time. Let me tell you, I never think you know it, but there are people in the media who care about what's happening to the poor, who care about people being in distress. I think you're talking to one of them now. Thank you so much for your time. I do know that you care, Tiri, and, and I'm very grateful for that. We do care. Thank you for your time, DSG. Thank you. Keep safe. You too. Thank you so much. That was Jesse Duarte, the Deputy Secretary General of the ANC. And that's it from us for Season 1. We will see you guys relatively soon. For News 24, my name is Sidi Madia, and this podcast was produced by Noctula Magnati.